Hey, everybody, and welcome to Well Said, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill podcast in which we talk with students, faculty, and staff about what's happening on campus and around the world. Today, we're talking about screenwriting and the Oscars with Professor Dana Cohen of the Department of Communication. At Carolina, you're the director of writing for the screen and stage. It's a minor that focuses on dramatic writing for students who want to work in theater, film, television, or web. And how are Tar Heels doing in Hollywood? Is there a big Carolina presence out there? We have a big, a big alumni out there now. We probably have 35 to 40 students who have graduated from the program since I've been here who are out in Los Angeles and making their way. Some of them have been very successful. Some of them, I feel, are on, on the verge of becoming successful. Uh, many of them are settled in. They have decent jobs. These may be temporary jobs, but these are jobs that will platform them. I feel very good about our success. There's a program uh, in the Department of Communication called the Hollywood Internship. The Writing for the Screen and Stage program, which I direct, feeds that program to a great extent. This year, I think they accepted 22. 11 of them were writing for the Screen and Stage students. And what's your story? How did you get into the business? I moved to Los Angeles in an attempt to get into comedy writing in the late 80s, and things happened pretty quickly. I had a development deal at Disney within a year and a half. I wrote pilots for NBC, ABC. I was working on a pilot for Jim Henson at the time he died, unfortunately. And a couple of years into that, with nothing being produced, I began working in situation comedy. My first show was uh, Carol and Company, which, Carol, which was Carol Burnett's ensemble comedy show on NBC. From there, I went on to Room for Two, which was Linda Levin and Patricia Heaton, who's still working in television comedy. Some years later, I was hired onto the show JAG as a story editor. Within my fifth season on that show, I became co-executive producer. Being on that show for eight seasons, ended up writing 37 episodes of that show. After that show was canceled, I moved into the first season of Bones, and that was nine straight seasons of episodic television, and I was ready to do something else. And to backtrack a little bit, I had gotten my MFA between the time that I was in television comedy and moving up to drama, and uh, decided that I wanted to teach. So I built my resume up for two years teaching at Chapman University in the city of Orange. And one day I opened the Writers Guild magazine and I saw an ad for a position at the University of North Carolina and the person who had placed the ad was a person I'd worked with on a pilot. Seven months later, I moved my entire family to Chapel Hill. And the first two years I taught in the program and then David Sontag, who actually started the Writing for the Screen and Stage program, retired. I have been directing the program since then. Students often say to me, you know, how did you get to this point in time? I, I often say to them, uh, the only thing I, I remember is where I was headed at the moment. It's very difficult setting a specific goal for yourself when you're in this business. You said you wanted to do something different, but why teaching? There are a lot of very talented people in LA. I don't know how many of them have something to say. And so, my feeling in teaching is to help develop the individual voices of the students that walk into my classroom. I feel that if they are encouraged to really express themselves, 
and not just seek opportunity, you know, employment opportunities, but to, to really just find the artistic center of their, of their soul, then to me that's contributing something to the business, that's contributing something to the industry. I think it's important for them to develop their voice before they go out there because there are going to be a lot of people telling them how they should write, how they should express themselves, put them into a lot of boxes. There are a lot of constraints in writing for television. And I think it's important for them to be able to address those constraints without losing their artistic soul, I guess would be a way to put it. How do you approach helping students to find their voices? We teach a holistic approach to writing in the minor. So I started out in the theater, and so I've never lost that impulse. When I came to L.A., I, I thought at least I had things to say, and I never lost that impulse. So even when I was on a television show and I was given certain assignments and I was told to do things in a certain way, I was able to find my voice in all of those scripts. And uh, that's something I've, I hopefully have been able to pass on to my students. One of the ways you help students find their voices is through a production called Long Story Shorts. Tell me about that. 2011, I changed the curriculum in the introductory course so that began with a series of exercises, and then I had them write a short play and a short screenplay. The first time I read the short plays, I thought, well, these are outstanding. And I felt compelled to do something with them. So we began Long Story Shorts. And the first two seasons, so well, let me go back a little bit and say that what I did was I worked with the writers dramaturgically to develop them. And uh, then I brought in a bunch of directors, and the first two seasons we did full productions of six plays each year, and decided that it was a little daunting. And the next year, third year, I'm sorry, we produced stage readings of eight plays. So I was able to add two more plays, I was able to shorten the preparation period, and now we, we've kind of worked it into a science where we begin on a Sunday and we end on a Sunday. So I, I will cast a company of actors that I think is suitable. I will work with the, with the writers during the entire fall semester on their, on their plays. We now have anywhere from 17 to 18 students in the program, so I will pick the eight plays that are most suitable for development. We'll start on a Sunday. We have two days of staging rehearsals. They are stage readings. We have a set that spells out WSS and that comes apart. And, forms uh, uh, many different incarnations, and, and actors have scripts in their hands. After the first two days of staging, we have a tech rehearsal, a dress rehearsal, we go up on a Friday night, we have two shows on a Saturday, and we're done. I'm very excited about how successful this has been. We've done 44 plays, and we published this last fall a volume of 25, of, uh, 25 plays of the first five years. That's called Selected Works from the University of North Carolina Long Story Shorts Festival 2011-2015. Students were very excited to have their work published. I plan to do it again. We'll be doing our eighth season this November. And two more seasons, uh, I'll pick 25 more. We'll do it again. I think it's a good calling card for the program. The students are excited, as I said, to have their plays published. And it's something you can hold in your hand. I mean, what we do here is pretty ephemeral. So I love the idea of having this book representing some of the work that's been done over the past nine years since I've been here. 
How did it feel the first time you had your work performed? And how do you think your students experience that feeling when their stories are performed in long story shorts? I was thrilled. What the students often tell me, and this mirrors my experience, was the play exists in your mind until the director and the actors get a hold of it, and then suddenly it transforms. What will happen to the script when it moves into three dimensions? And that's what happens to plays, really anything that's in script form that gets transformed into something else. It's a marvelous experience for writers because they have to, first of all, they have to accept that the characters are not exactly speaking the way they thought they were going to, number one. And number two, the idea that they have created an energy that gets reinterpreted by someone else. So the very first time I had an episode of television produced, it's Carol Burnett and Richard Kind, uh, Carol and Company. You know, I knew it was supposed to be produced in January. So I thought, well, you know, it's three, three, three different tables at a restaurant. It was called Turning Tables, and there were three different stories. We moved from table to table. But there was no reason for me to decide that it was snowing. I just thought, well, it's January. It should be snowing. So I remember the first time I walked in and they were setting up the stage and there were like eight guys with a box above the stage and they were moving it and there was these little snowflakes coming down and I thought to myself, look what I created. Very powerful feeling. And I think that, that was, that's very often what writers feel the first time that they see their plays perform. Now to switch to a slightly different topic, the Oscars, which are happening March 4th. You just recently held a preview event with Carolina Public Humanities and the General Alumni Association. It's the fifth time you've done that. How has that event changed over time? The first time we did it five years ago, it was in front of about 50 people at Flyleaf. And it was me and my colleague, Scott Myers, at the time, who has now moved on to DePaul University. And we, uh, I was approached by Carolina Public Humanities. They had a different name then. I think they wanted a kind of a handicapping of the Oscars event, and we talked. The more we talked about it, the more we thought we could we could do a deeper dive into the subject, and and that's what happened. And we have been discussing it now every year. And of course, the the awards environment has become very newsworthy, particularly in the last three or four years with Oscars so white, and last year with the speech making, and this year with the, the sexual harassment scandals, and so. So it's become an event that is very topical and discusses the way the industry is transforming, and I enjoy it. And, I, and we also present, we don't want to get too much into the weeds about every award, but you know we do feature the, the Best Picture nominations. Along with that, my colleague Rachel Shavitz, who's, who also produces the event, is a postdoc here, and we, we also pick films that we that we felt were or that we feel were overlooked quality films that got high marks on Rotten Tomatoes Metacritic that we feel should be noticed by the public so we present those as well and speaking of the Oscars do you have a favorite for one of the categories well my choice for best original screenplay is Lady Bird Greta Gerwig is an emerging talent talented actress writer and now a director it's just a beautiful coming-of-age story that's, I guess the best way to say it is that the film knows what it is. It's a story that really understands itself. It's very consistent. There doesn't seem to be a wrong note in it, and it takes a lot of chances.
Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Be sure to check unc.edu in two weeks for another episode of Well Said, or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Android apps.